You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 71. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 my friends. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery, coming to you from Oklahoma. I have been on a little bit of a tour the last two weeks. Uh, Indiana, Oklahoma City, uh, have really had an amazing opportunity to see uh, my friends from high school in Ball State up in Indiana and hang out with them and their kids. Then I came to Oklahoma City, saw my sister, um, got a chance to spend a couple of days with my dad and, and stepmom. Then I went to Tulsa, where I got a chance to run around with some of my old Gator friends and their children up at uh, one of their parents' lake house, and then back down to Oklahoma City, where I just helped my sister do a super awesome deep clean of her pad. So she's got her own little creativity cocoon, which is what I call my... I, would, I don't even know if I would call it a bedroom anymore. It is literally an office with a bed. Um, there's so many different <laughs> sets that I've built and desks that are up. It's, you know, I've really built myself a creativity cocoon, and uh, I really have been encouraging her to do something similar. And when I came into her place last Monday night, it was a bit chaotic, and uh, I threw it out. You know, hey, would you be down with uh, having me help you organize some stuff? And uh, she jumped on it, which, you know, I one of my... I guess my special skills is seeing like a hoarding style setup and being able to just wipe it clean. Um, you know, she's got limited space and, you know, limited funds. And so there's only so much we could do as far as organizing, but she certainly, uh, she basically had an opportunity to touch every single item that she owned over the last day. And we, uh, got herself a nice little creativity cocoon. So I would, you know, for the rest of you, uh, who are still a bit in the shutdown quarantine mode, if you haven't already had a chance to really give your house a thorough once-over. Um, yeah, it's one of my favorite things to do. I, I'm a big fan of doing it in the spring. And then again, um, going into the whole Christmas time, just giving my place a once-over, looking at everything that I own, you know, whether it be outside in the in the cubbies by the cars or on the back patio, or just look at everything, say, do I really need to have this still? Can I clear this out of my life? I'm not going to get all Netflix show where that woman says you got to love every single thing that you own or that it has to bring you joy and passion because that seems a little bit um, over the top. But I agree with her in as much as you really got to manage the the clutter around you because if you don't, then it just turns a bit more chaotic than the brain would prefer. And if, you know, you find that your environment is uh, consistently overwhelming you, you might have a hard time being able to focus or concentrate or really enjoy relaxing. You know, if everywhere you look, it seems like there's just filth. So that's my little why don't you clean your house speech for the episode. <laughs> Let's get into what I'd really want to talk about. I'm, I could sit here and go over uh, the experiences that I've had with the family and, you know, and really being able to dive deep and have some really heart-to-hearts with my dad and uh, being able to see my gator friends again. You know, those are great. And, and I think once I've had a chance to process them more, um, I'll come back with you guys, especially right now. I feel like I'm on empty, but at the same time, my sister wants to organize her makeup area. And so I thought, well, I don't want to just sit there and watch things on my computer. I could jump on and do a quick episode. And she's a, uh, I think it's, I think she calls it, is it Mystic Canvas and Mystic Canvas Makeup? Uh, she is a um, TikTok 
YouTuber, Instagrammer who does makeup. So if you're into makeup or you just want to see what my sister looks like, um, at Mystic Canvas and at Mystic Canvas Makeup, and you could see what my sister looks like. Um, go check out some of her videos. She does some amazing makeup. She's super awesome and been into that stuff for years. Really, really took it to another level back when we were ravers. And she's just uh, really kept the passion around it. So where I'm going to go with this episode is that um, when I was up at Dick and Megan's house, most amazing hosts, they were old Gator friends. I've known Megan since she was a freshman in college, literally met her like her second day in school when she started at TGA Fridays where I was a server and uh, eventually um, met um, her husband, Ryan, who we all called Dick because his first name's Richard and his middle name's Ryan. And I just found out that his whole family calls him Ryan, but we've all been calling him Dick for like the last 10 years. And it totally blew my mind. And around his dad, if you call him Dick, his dad turns around and and, and Dick does, doesn't turn around. And Dick being my friend Ryan and not Dick the dad, and, but Ryan's the kid and the kid's the one who's my friend. And so if you say Dick really loudly, his dad turns around, but the kid who's my friend doesn't. Did you keep up with that? I didn't. <laughs> Dick, the kid, who's my friend, has this virtual reality set up in his office at his house. And um, you put, I think it's some Microsoft thing. It's not the Oculus. I don't, maybe it is. I don't know. It's Microsoft something. And you put this thing on and it's absolutely mind-blowing, the world that you step into. And um, there's this thing called Saber, Saber Wars or Saber Fights or Saber Racer or something where you basically uh, use swords to slice through these energy balls as they fly towards you to the beat of music. Um, I will tell you what, you will sweat your tookish off playing that game. Uh, there's, There's so many games. The one that really blew my mind was this game called Richie's Plank. And uh, spoiler alert, where I'm going to get to at the end of all of this is that what the eyes see is not necessarily what is actually how to, of course I'm so I'm so exhausted I've forgotten my entire thesis just because the eyes see it doesn't mean that the body's actually experiencing it okay something to that extent so just because the eyes see it and the mind believes it it doesn't mean it's actually happening so Richie's plank it's this game where you 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 get you start it up and you get inside this elevator and you go all the way up to the top of a skyscraper and then you're supposed to walk this plank. And I could already tell you, by the time I got to this game, I'd already played like six or seven other ones, including Batman, uh, where you go and you, you go down into the cave and you, as you're going down in the cave, it literally feels like you're going down. Like every part of you feels like you're actually going down like there's even this sensation that air is going past your ears whenever you finally get into the cave like a cool crisp sensation washed over my entire body I almost felt like a mist was was spraying on me because of course batman's cave has water in it and this is what you're visually seeing and so i already thought that was pretty trippy but when i got over to richie's plank and i got up i couldn't walk on the plank it literally freaked me out um, I, I wouldn't say that I have a height ish, uh, afraid of heights issue as much as I have a afraid of heights without a railing issue. And, uh, which is funny considering I used to skydive quite frequently. Um, but anyways, the point is, is there a point? We're going to see about that. <laughs> We're not positive. This might go down as the episode where Jesse was super exhausted and decided to ramble for 30 minutes about a VR video game that none of us have ever played. Um, <laughs> 
So when I decided I couldn't walk the plank, I wanted to see if there was something else to do within the game. And there was this thing called Hero Academy. And when you get to it, you can use these little hand rockets to fly yourself through these rings. And so I flipped this game on, and I'm going to tell you all right now, it is literally like you're flying through the air. To the point where I actually had to get down on one knee, because whenever I would go to turn, I would literally like my whole body would start to turn with it, even though the game only needed my hands to do the turning. I, my whole body would start to turn, and I got started getting nauseous, and I started, I almost fell. And the game says right at the beginning, make sure somebody's around you in case you fall. And you're using these hand rockets, and you're going through these rings, and the higher you get up, and then you, you stop using the, the hand rockets, and then you start to fall down. And I mean, all of it, you feel. You're, when you're going up, it feels like there's, a weight be pushed on your head as you're firing up. When you're coming down, it feels like there's air coming up like underneath your feet. It was absolutely the most trippiest thing that I felt. And I, I, was, I managed to be able to play it for about 20 minutes before it became just too much. Um, my eyes were burning. My whole body felt like it just felt like I'd gone up 3,000 feet and down 3,000 feet. I can only imagine how awesome it must be to do a roller coaster virtual. Um, they should make that game. And it really, like, literally as I'm playing this video game, it occurs to me that my eyes are seeing height. My eyes are seeing these skyscrapers. My eyes are go are watching me go up and down. And, you know, a cartoonishly virtual world. It by no means looked like I was, you know, in a picture of New York City. But my body was feeling it what my eyes were seeing so intensely that the nausea and the sweat and like the, the cramping of the muscles was visceral and it was real yet. None of it was actually happening to me. I was just standing in a game room and my buddy's upstairs house. And that was it. None of this was occurring, but yet because my eyes were seeing it, then therefore my mind perceived that it was actually happening to me and all the sensations of going up and down felt real. It felt real. And then I'm playing this game and I mean, no sooner do I get off of it, I'm like, there's a, there's a podcast episode here because just because the eyes see it and then the mind believes it doesn't mean that it's actually happening. And when I, when I want to bring this into sobriety and recovery, you know, it immediately got to the point where let me get to let me get to a couple of the points that I thought of. One, you guys remember when you first got sober, and for those of you who are just now in the early stages of it, then you're probably in the throes of this right now. That you think that when you go out to to hang out with people, especially your old friends who you used to party around, that they're all gonna be you know bombarding you, peppering you with questions. Why don't you drink? Come on, man, just drink. Just have one. Come on, why don't you just drink? What do you mean you stop drinking? Tell me more about that. I want to know. Like for the most part, when you just tell people, yeah, man, I'm not drinking anymore. You know, there will be a couple inquisitive people you know, be like, who will say, forever or just for now? Oh, forever. You know, and they'll like, oh, okay. You know, and they might, they might dive in a little bit deeper. But most people, especially you would call acquaintances, they're not really going to badger you. And I, and I say all this realizing that, you know, of the tens of thousands of you who have experienced what I'm talking about, you've all got a different experience of it. So very well, one of you could be like, bullshit, dude. Every single time I see somebody, they're hammering me about why I don't drink. More importantly about all of that 
is that we get into this super high anxiety, stressed out mode that we're going to have to constantly be fending off questions about why we don't drink. We're going to be constantly getting pressured by people to drink. And little like whether your eyes ever see it, your mind begins to believe it, even though it's not happening. And, and again, full on exhausted, not sure how much of a point I'm going to be able to really wrap this up with. I look forward to getting home and being able to journal about it, being able to really maybe do a little bit more research into this whole eyes, mind, perception is reality kind of thing. But I want you to start looking at what areas of your life do you fool yourself into thinking are actually happening around you, even though in reality it's not. Even though that the the level of importance that you've placed upon a certain event, uh, the amount of badgering you're going to get from people because you quit drinking, uh, the amount of, of questioning about your past lifestyle choices that you're going to have from people, how much of that is going to be real versus how much of it are you actually seeing? You see, if you tell your mind that you're going to get badgered with questions, then your mind is going to start to believe it. And if your mind is looking to for proof that you are being badgered constantly about your sobriety and recovery, even the most um, faintest of um, you know eye twinkle lifts, the the slightest little bit of a, a besmirk on the of the of the cheek area, it will immediately be perceived by your unconscious mind as somebody questioning the decisions that you're making. And if you start convincing yourself that people are going to be coming at you, then you very well might just take one little off-color gesture and assume that that's exactly what that person's doing, and it may not actually be happening. You know, um, let's move away from just when you're going out drinking with friends or not drinking, but around people you used to drink with. You know, where are there other opportunities in your life where your eyes are seeing something and therefore your mind's believing it, but what what it's seeing and what it's believing aren't really true. Now, we wanted to get into the whole government political spectrum, you know, and certainly I have been to enough states on this trip to realize that there, it appears that the coronavirus, depending on what state you're in, is either liberal or conservative. (laughs) And so there's a lot of, you know, perception is reality. Well, this is what I'm seeing. So this, therefore, this is what I'm believing. And it's not actually happening kind of thing going on. And so I really want you to look, where in your life do you think that what you're seeing or what you're not seeing is somehow controlling what your mind is believing is happening to you, even though in reality it's not happening. And there's going to be something I'm looking forward to diving into a lot more because this game really it really threw me off. Because I've 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 been into some virtual reality kind of simulations before. Uh, by all means, I you know I think we've all been into at least one IMAX screen in our day. For those of you who went and saw Avatar the original one with the 3D glasses. I mean, talk about blowing your mind. It's like you felt like you were in the movie. Um, It's certainly a completely different experience than watching it 2D on your television at home. And so I really want you to begin to start asking yourself, is, you know, is what I'm seeing real? Right? You, You, I know, like, in my head that using these hand cannons to fly through these targets 4,000 feet up in the air isn't really what's happening to me. Yet my body is sweating. My muscles are cramping. You know, I'm leaning to and fro. I literally feel like I'm off balance whenever I turn. Uh, my, My body is 
just shaking uncontrollably. And so even though I know consciously that this isn't real, my unconscious mind is getting involved and it is making it extremely real. And I think that's where we need to start really dissecting what is going on around us and asking ourselves, is this what I'm, is, is what I'm, what I think I'm seeing really what's happening? And I think it's extremely important that we do question our reality on a regular basis as far as where it, you know, are our old behaviors causing us to see something one way when it could also be seen another way? And again, I'm not looking for you to convince yourself otherwise if you feel vehemently that something that you're experiencing is real. That's, that's not where we're going with this. I want you to start asking yourself, where in your life are you really jacking yourself up with anxiety and stress over things that really don't deserve anxiety or stress? They don't deserve that kind of merit. I've noticed this in my sister on a couple occasions, you know, even we... Okay, case in point, we were we completely cleaned out our place, so there was a lot of things to throw away. And as we're taking the garbage cans out to the to the street so they could get picked up for tomorrow, she's like, "Yeah, I had a lot of stress and anxiety about you know just getting those to the street corner and asking my next door neighbor if we could use theirs because I had filled mine up." And I'm like, "To me, I don't understand why that would bring out any kind of anxiety or stress." But she definitely is in this world where, um. You know, she doesn't want to be a burden on anybody. She wants to be self-sufficient. She wants to take care of herself. She wants to be on top of her game. And that is so super dope, you know, because her and I have both had our issues with that in the past, you know, where it's like we sort of, something bad happened to us. We want to blame other people. Well, you know, what, this isn't my fault. This is, this is that other person's fault. They caused this. And we used to live in effect, right? Where we believe that everybody else is affecting our world rather than believing that we're the cause of our world. That's why it's called the cause and effect. So now we're living at cause where we're like, we're the ones who cause the world we live in and we want to be the ones in control of it. And I want you to also think about that. I want you to be at cause and realize that every single thing that you're seeing or not seeing and everything that you're believing is happening to you or not believing is happening to you is all under your control. Like it says on my Instagram account, um, believing your thoughts is your choice. And so as we dive into this more over the next couple of weeks, I'm not going to leave this alone because I, I definitely think there's something to crack a little bit deeper underneath the surface of what I'm trying to get out. And again, two weeks of traveling and like six different strange beds and, and I'm, I'm a little bit cached. Um, so I'm going to wrap this up here in a moment and try to get to the 30 minute point. But before I walk away from this part and discuss some of the books that I read on this trip, just really, as you're walking away from this episode, ask yourself, Yes, your eyes are seeing it, and therefore your mind's believing it, but is it really what's happening around you, right? You can convince yourself that the world's out to get you. You can convince yourself that everybody wants you to drink again. You can convince yourself that everybody hates you. You can convince yourself everybody loves you. You could just as easily convince yourself of all these positive things, but for whatever reason, we as humans tend to love to convince ourselves that the whole world's out to get us. Um, and this is a great segue to the Brene Brown book I've been audibling uh, called Daring Greatly. And I'm in a chapter, and my goodness, I'm going to have to go back and listen to this book and literally take some of the most, 
amazing notes I've ever taken on a book because there are, it is just chock full of episodes. If you're into audibles or if you're even into reading and you really want to take a crack lack at a really amazing book, Daring Greatly by Brene Brown, I'm telling you what, um, if you've got some shame, if you've got some grief, if you've got anxiety and stress, any kind of negative emotion whatsoever, this woman's amazing. Google her and go check out her TED Talk. And if after that 20-minute TED Talk, you're not ready to go and, and find Daring Greatly. Uh, she's got other books. I haven't gotten into those yet. But if they're anything like this one, uh, my goodness gracious. And I think I've started a lot of them on Audible, but I've never given my chance. To, you really got to let 30, 45 minutes go just so that you can start watching her connect all of these amazing ideas. Um, really when I listen to things like that, I'm constantly looking for the way that all these other um, self-help people really connect ideas because I'm looking to connect ideas in a better way for you all so that you can see how all of the things I talk about become this gigantic web of the reality that we're creating. And you are creating your reality. Good or bad, you are creating your reality. Um, it, it is very much like virtual reality. It could be a simulation. We could all be in the matrix or we could not be in the matrix. But either way, you create the reality around you. You create a positive work environment for yourself or you create a negative work environment for yourself. Even if your boss is a complete jerkity jerk, 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 you're still choosing to stay at that job or you're, 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 you're choosing something. You know, I, my sister's had a really horrible boss recently, and she's like, no matter what I tried, I could not get this woman to get along with me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I mean, you know, I always think that there's, I always think there's a way, but I don't want to dive too deep into that. I want to stay on focus. Man, my mind is spinning right now. <laughs> I'm on like three days straight of like four hours of sleep. Okay, back to Daring Greatly. She talks about victims and Vikings and about how... Um, people believe that if they play the victim, that they'll be taken care of, or they'll be they'll be taken advantage of. They'll be considered a sucker. They'll get played. They'll get schooled. Whatever it is, you want to think of that way. So therefore, a lot of people go Viking, and they feel like they need to attack, 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 attack. Because if they give one inch, if they let the person have one word in edgewise, if they let them have one moment uh, of of an opportunity to speak their mind over what they're trying to get out, that somehow they're going to get taken to the cleaners. They're going to be considered a sucker. They're going to, you know be hypnotized into believing whatever this other person's trying to push on them. And it just, it took me, a, it took me aback when I heard that. And, and I, and I heard this on the way back from Tulsa to Oklahoma city. And I'm just like, wow, how does that tie into Richie's plank? How does that tie into the, the fact that the eyes are seeing something? So therefore it's convincing the mind of it, but is even really reality. Do you honestly believe that if you just listen to somebody who believes differently than you in politics, that somehow they're going to hypnotize you into believing what they believe? And I'm like, I got this issue, guys. I am not perfect about this at all. Because sometimes some of the stuff that comes out of my friends' mouths who believe a different, who believe in a different political system than I do, I just look at them and I'm just like, man, you seriously right now? Like, man, you're not only are you on the wrong side of history, but your thought process is a, is a danger to humanity. And it could be where some of us get very <laughs> outwardly angry with those who uh, believe just so far off that you're like, what in the hell are you talking about? Like, how? How you seriously like where did you hear that? That is not what I that is not what me or my political party want. But again, 
they, they, they hear some stuff, they see some stuff, they convince their mind of it, and it doesn't even have to be reality. They are all in. Because if they release even one millimeter, one millimeter to the left, even one millimeter, then all of a sudden that they're, 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 they're going to be socialists, and they're going to want, everybody should get school for free, and and doctors for free, and everything should be free, 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 free. And I'm just sitting here like, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, that's not what I, that's not what I want. You know, that's that's not what I would vote for. I, and I loved me some Bernie. And I'm, again, I'm not trying to turn this into a political show, uh, but I, I I I simply say, there's if this if the system is clearly not working the way that it has been, I don't think we need to go back further in time to. To, to see if we can redo the way we did it in the 50s, I think we need to start fixing the, the system. If people working 40 hours a week at $15 an hour are still considered poverty level, it's not their job that sucks. It's the system. Now, they may not like their job either way. Now, if we need people to work at grocery stores. We need people to work at 7-Elevens. We need people to work at the pizza shop. We need, pe- we need delivery drivers. We need dry cleaners. We need all of these positions. Have we not seen that over the last four months, that these jobs are ne- necessary, substantially more necessary than a stockbroker or a venture capitalist or, or a, a, the CEO of Coca-Cola? I mean, the, the, have we not seen that these what, we would, what society has deemed Menial jobs are actually the most important of all the jobs. Don't even get me started on teachers and trash collectors and, uh, well, let's just go back to teachers. And I'm not saying teachers and trash collectors are the same job, but let's face it. We've got somebody who's literally raising our children and giving them the right mindset, right? Wrong, wrong teacher, you're going to get the wrong mindset. And then also we got some garbage men. You let them go on strike for a month and let's see how much black plague starts to spread. You know, and these are jobs where these people, they will not make a, a wage that will allow them to take a vacation to somewhere cool for two weeks or, or get themselves a really awesome trip or, or, or a, a really amazing opportunity, right? And these, are, these are literally paycheck to paycheck kind of jobs. And so as I wrap this up, all I say is that ask yourself, is what you're seeing and what you're hearing, really what's happening? Or are you just convincing yourself of it? Because this is the mindset that you've had for so long that if you release that mindset, if you release your identity that you've held on to about this particular topic, does that completely crumble your identity that you've been holding on to for years? And this is something I've had to really grapple with. Because for the longest time, I believed that my drinking and my drugging were what made me fun, were what made me sociable, were what made me fun to be around. And then I took those things away and stopped doing them. And I thought, well, there I go. I'm not going to be fun. I'm not going to be sociable. I'm not going to be enjoyable. You know, it's like, that's not, that wasn't reality. You know, I, one of the reasons I've, I was been told by multiple people never to bring up politics on this show is because that, they're, you know, like Michael Jordan once said, Republicans buy shoes too. Well, Republicans listen to the show as well. And at the same time, you know, I, I feel like, you know, if you decide that you don't want to listen to me anymore because I, because I consider myself a moderate to liberal person, well, I mean, you know, teach his own. I, I I am who I am. It's not too difficult to have a conversation with me for five minutes and know where I stand on that stuff. So why would I not also talk about it on the podcast? I'm not looking to lie or hide or, or be untruthful. For every one person that ditches me because I speak my mind, 10 more people will find it authentic and want to show up and listen to me over and over and over again. And I have been a very strong proponent for people knowing that it's okay to share about themselves. And Daring Greatly by Brene Brown, 
the book I was just talking about, she talks a lot about how some people think that oversharing is vulnerability. What ultimately ends up really happening is that by oversharing, they're looking for a certain kind of response, right? They're looking for empathy, sympathy, compassion, love, jealousy, lust. It, it could be a myriad of things that they're looking for, but it doesn't necessarily mean that just because they tell you something deep and dark about their lives, that what they were really trying to do was be vulnerable. Vulner being vulnerable means that your intentions are pure for why you're discussing something and that you don't overshare just to get a reaction out of people or to get them to feel sorry for you or for you to become the center of attention um, and, and, and have people want to pour hugs and, and love and, and, and sympathy your way. We're all humans. We all need love and hugs and sympathy. But wouldn't you rather get it for being your true, grounded, vulnerable self rather than this person who is on purposely instigating the kind of emotions that you desire in that moment by saying things that you know are way over the line for how long you've known that person or how long you've been in a conversation with them or how long you've been in a relationship, whatever it might be. And so, because I like to bring all these things and wrap them into one, and right now I'm sort of rolling my hands into a ball, and I swear I hope that this episode has made some modicum of sense, is that, when you go to share at a meeting, when you go to share with a, in a new relationship, when you go to share in a friendship, whatever it might be, you know, being vulnerable from what I've gathered from Brene Brown and what I'm starting to unravel within myself is just is, is knowing that the reason that you're sharing something that means a lot to you is because it seems like it's the appropriate response or the appropriate action within that moment without having any kind of backroom influence kind of negative connotations to it, if that's making any sense to you, right? If, if you are getting ready to share something that's extreme about yourself, you know, are you doing it for the ego boost? Are you doing it for people to think, you know, I know when I first got into sobriety and recovery, let me do this. Let me share a story. When I first got into sobriety and recovery, one of the things that I would do is that I would I would open up all of my shares at my meetings by just basically being on the pink cloud. Like, my God, this is amazing. I can't believe I've never done this before. I am flying. I am soaring. This is Jesse 2.0. This is the best thing I've ever done for myself. I got no problems with this. I, I can't wait to be sober for 117 years. And, you know, then I, I would, then I would segue for just 20 seconds. But, you know, and considering this one time I got super crazy blacked out on a bunch of blow and some, maybe some weird opiates in Indonesia and woke up in this hotel in Singapore. And I have no idea what I did, but I definitely know that I threw that microwave out the window and I'm, I'm pretty sure I took a knife to the, to, to the couch cushions. I was like, but man, I'll tell you what, being sober now is so much better than being drunk ever was, right? You see what I did right there? It's like I was, for one, I'm just like rubbing my sobriety and recovery in everyone else's faces. And then I just casually throw out a story about how, ah, look how super cool I was. I did a bunch of crazy drugs in Indonesia and woke up in Singapore. And then was, it was ego-driven. I was looking for people to be like, wow, this dude was super fucked up and now he's so amazing. I should build a statue toward him and then worship that statue every single day. I, I had this ego where I needed people to see how awesome I truly thought sobriety and recovery is and was. And I still think that sobriety and recovery is the most amazing thing that I've done. But now the way that I talk about it, the way that I share about it, the way that I guide this show 
And there's a reason why I waited till I got to the two-year mark to start this show, is I wanted to make sure that where I was coming from, as I talked to y'all, was from a, a sincere place of service and gratitude and humility and integrity. And so as I wrap up this episode, which really does seem like a, big, a bunch of rambling, rambling thoughts of a madman, I want you to think about where in your life are you using integrity, gratitude, and humility to guide your sobriety and recovery? And where are you, because if, if, if gratitude, integrity, and humility are guiding your ship, then you'll have a better grasp on what you're seeing and believing and being able to tell whether it's actually happening to you or not. Richie's plank super screwed me up. And it got me to realize that, man, you can think one thing's happening around you and you, it can feel absolutely real. I mean, you, the taste and the smell and the sound and the, and the touch, everything is so right there. But then you just blink twice and t- pop off the goggles. And next thing you know, you're in a freaking game room in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and you're not flying around a bunch of skyscrapers in New York City with windmills flapping around in the background. It, that's, it, what we're seeing isn't necessarily what's really happening. And if you're daring greatly and you're stepping out of either the Viking or the victim role and you're saying that there can be another role and it can be one of just grounded and centered and, and one of realizing that it's okay to listen to learn rather than listening to respond, right? You don't have to always have a quip right back when somebody shares something. You don't have to drop your deepest, darkest, darkest secret at a meeting so that all of a sudden these people will feel more connected to you because I can tell you having been on both sides of that, having shared too much and have, and having listened to somebody overshare, it doesn't necessarily make me want to jump up and be best buddies with that person. Uh, there's sometimes where I'm taken aback by what I hear. And there's other times where I'm just like, what in the hell are you talking about right now, bro? That we're not even, that's not even the topic of conversation right now. So as I wrap up the two weeks here and I've had an amazing time, I really start to, be mindful of asking myself, is the reality that I'm seeing around me really the reality that's happening? Or have I just created so many of these stories in my head that my mind is just proving them to be true in order for me not to look like a crazy person in my own eyes? Right? Because we're the only ones who know these stories that we've told ourselves. And if you keep fighting for your limitations, if you keep explaining why you behave a certain way to somebody else or explaining why you behave a certain way to yourself, well, I do this because, I do this because. The moment you say, I do this because, you've, you're taking the power from yourself and you're giving it to an external force, whether it's your mom, dad, sister, brother, preacher, teacher, it could be your dog. I don't care if I do this because. And what comes out of your mouth is somebody other than yourself. Now, you know, I do this because I'm just afraid of being vulnerable and I don't know how to share correctly. That's definitely been something I've said to myself. Right? When you take that because, it's, it's like, and again, I don't have enough time to cover it at the end of this episode, but the moment you start saying because, you're immediately almost saying that you don't even have control over why it's happening. Rather than, I am not an effective listener. I am not an effective sharer. And I really would, I really desire to get better at it because I think that I'm not being present for myself or other people around me whenever I really, really, really wish I was. That's a way to take ownership. Saying, I, I act this way because is taking ownership and is placing it outside of yourself. And when it's outside of yourself, you can't control things that are outside of yourself. 
and then your eyes are going to start to believe, your ears are going to start to believe, and therefore your mind is going to start to believe. And before you know it, this whole world is happening around you that you don't even necessarily want to be in. And unfortunately, you can't just pop off the goggles and realize that you're actually just in a game room in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So Start Daring Greatly. Go check out that book. I cannot speak enough about it. As much as I really wanted to bring you guys just a grade A episode after the 4th of July, um, and I think I nailed it. I absolutely think I nailed it. I think I did a bang-up job. I think that you had a bunch of major epiphanies. I know I had a bunch of major epiphanies. Um, perhaps one of them was don't do a podcast after two weeks of traveling. But <laughs> it could be. Um, but, you know, I get a lot of feedback from these, from what I like to call the rambling thoughts of a madman episodes. And uh, people seem to really enjoy them. Uh, they, th- they, they, they say words like authentic and compassionate and, and, and you know, one of a, a guy's guy and, and, and um, you know, friend friends. And, and I like that because that's the whole point of this. Uh, you know, I'm not a doctor. I don't have a bunch of degrees hanging on my wall. Uh, you know, I've, yeah, I've done my NLP training and I'm a certified life coach and, and I'm definitely launching sober sessions here in two Thursdays. And I, I'm going to do a whole episode on the, on the coaching opportunity that's coming y'all's way. If you're looking to get into a group kind of setting, but for now, happy 4th of July. Remember that just because your, your eyes are seeing it and your ears are hearing it does not mean that it's actually happening. Ask yourself, what if you were to just change your perspective? Or at the very least, just change the goggles. See you guys next week. Bye-bye.